Well, hello and welcome everybody to another monthly session of Rowing Chat. I'm joined this week by who is, I'm proud to say, a new author. Will, welcome to Rowing Chat. Thank you. Now, please introduce yourself to the listeners. How did you get into the sport of rowing? So we've got gen generations of rowers on either side of my family, and just about every one of my cousins has dabbled in it at some point, and it was basically a foregone conclusion that I would at some point end up also being a rower. Uh, got the chance in high school and rowed for a fairly small club um, in Washington State here called Olympia Area Rowing. Um, enjoyed it. Uh, took the sport seriously. My top race placing was second in Northwest Regionals in the lightweight single, but I was by no means a uh, phenomenon at five foot eight and 150 pounds. Um, I briefly pursued the uh, college rowing recruiting scene and then kind of decided it wasn't for me. Came to university here at Western Washington University and studied kinesiology, which is exercise science. And uh, my focus was in athletic training and sports psychology. So one thing kind of led to the next and I ended up getting involved with the men's rowing team here, which is a club team, um, as their strength coach. So this is now my third year with the program as their strength coach. Um, and yeah, that was kind of how I got back into the sport. Fantastic. Now, you've written a book. Tell, tell us a bit about it. So Rowing Stronger is my manual for strength training to maximize rowing performance. Um, I wrote it after kind of drawing on both my experience in the sport um, as well as my background and education in exercise science. Uh, rowing is unique among Olympic sports and is just brutal on you know mind and body. Uh, and the manual was my way of trying to help people prepare for the sport, not develop muscular imbalances, stay healthier, get better, better performance, um, and ideally provide a resource that I did not see out there for rowing, which is strength training specifically for rowers. Fantastic. And as a former and current rower, I completely concur that strength training can definitely help you rowing, but a lot of us feel confident in in teaching. So what should a coach do before introducing weight training for the very first time? I think instruction is absolutely key, both making sure that all of the athletes understand both how to perform the exercises um, as well as what exactly they're doing in the weight room. Uh, the first time I gave out a program for the um, college team here, I checked in with them after a couple weeks and they all kind of were scratching their heads saying that they didn't actually understand how to read the program that I'd given them. Um, so making sure that really everybody is uh, both figuratively and literally on the same page, uh, doing the exercises in the correct order, the correct sets and reps, uh, you really can't assume anything as a coach. So making sure instruction uh, and execution of all of the lifts is on point. Sounds pretty clear. So. You've told me before that you've spent three seasons with your current team. At the start of the new season, should a coach establish a baseline with maximum lift testing so you know where they're at? 
It really depends on how comfortable the athlete is with the exercise. If it's a brand new, you know, if this is the first time they've ever done a squat or a deadlift, then I'm not going to be testing them for a, a one repetition maximum. So with my returning rowers, I do often um, do some sort of a test at the start of the season, but more often I'll use a three repetition max or a five repetition max and then put it into a calculator and extrapolate the results from there. Uh, rather than just doing a one rep max. And the benefit of the one rep what? Um, well, the benefit of a one rep max is that you know objectively exactly what the athlete's capable of. The downside of it is that it's more dependent on uh, technique and neural system factors than a three to five rep max, um, which is kind of a, a broader test of strength. Um, it's essentially the difference between a, a 10 stroke power max and a 500 meter. There's much less margin for error um, in the in the one rep max or in the 10 stroke test. But as far as a rowing coach goes, want to run this test? Uh, well, it makes it easier to calculate percentages for the program. So part part of the weightlifting is based on you know when I say three sets of 10 at 70% that they know what 100% is to figure out 70%. So you need to have some sort of idea of how to calculate your effort um, in order to be able to weight train intelligently. Fantastic. That's a really great insight. We've had some great questions sent in by listeners. And the first one is from Carl Smith, who I know you know intimately from Bellingham. And he says off-season the time to do dramatic one rep max increases. Uh, for, for the record, I'll clarify that my intimate knowledge of Carl Smith is just in a coach-athlete basis. Uh, <laughs> but as, as far as the actual goal of the one repetition max, the, the one rep max is, is a means to an end for rowers, not an end goal in itself. So there's never really a point at which dramatic increases are desired. Uh, generally, you know, the faster you gain it, the faster you'll lose it. Um, so I would prefer to do kind of a, a slow cooking approach to strength gaining of building the athlete up progressively over their entire career um, rather than, you know, hammering it for one, one off season at a time. And you've been coaching Carl for a couple of seasons now. So yeah. has he increased his one rep max? <laughs> Uh, he has, yeah. He started off with, uh, he could only get about halfway down in a squat to begin with because of how uh, immobile and stiff his hips were. Uh, really, <clears throat> it, it really impinged him uh, in terms of his reach um, and his compression was very poor. So he started working on mobility as well as his strength. And now he's, he's around a 275 or 285 pound uh, back squat to actual depth. So. A, de a definite improvement over a couple of years from him. Fantastic. And certainly I know an awful lot of rowers where mobility and flexibility limit their performance on the water, but it's one of the hardest things to explain to an athlete that they will, they'll go faster if only they can improve their flexibility. Mm -hmm. Now, Mike Ruth, who possibly is a relation of yours, um, who's from Olympia and the All Rowing Club, says, what are the limitations of weight training for rowing? Uh, that, that is almost certainly my father. 
Um, I, I would say the, the limitations of weight training is that, uh, kind of like you just said, being strong only helps you as much as your mobility, your technique allows. So we really need to make sure that all of the strength training is carrying back over to rowing and that the athlete is both healthy enough and technically able enough to express that strength in the boat. So there's no guarantee that adding 20 pounds to your squat is going to take time off of your 2K split if your technique is poor. So excellent technique is the baseline for everything. Um, and then the athlete's improvements can kind of go from there. So that, that would, I would say, be the, the, the limitation is that if the athlete's not technically able enough to express their strength. So technique's a real key for you, isn't it? It was one of your motivators for writing the manual. And tell me about what you see and what got you going with onto correct lifting technique. Uh, from my own history, um, I developed a form of snapping hip syndrome while in high school, uh, which is a, a hip injury that makes uh, squatting as well as full compression fairly painful. Um, it's a fairly common injury with rowers as an impingement in the hip flexors. Um, so proper execution both on the erg as well as uh, in the boat or in the gym is especially important. And for me, I think that was definitely a motivating factor was, you know, how can we reduce the injuries both short-term and long-term from the sport, um, which is really my number one reason to be strength training. Number one is injury prevention. A distant second is actual short-term improvement in the sport. So what sort of um, improvements can a rowing tech when they work closely with a strength and conditioning coach such as yourself? I think a lot of rowing coaches uh, do what they know, which is not often uh, what exercise science or what kinesiology would say is, is the right thing to be doing. So in, in a sport that's kind of got such a tradition behind it as rowing, um, there's often a attitude of, you know, we do it this way because this is how it's been done. And I think that that was, that, that was certainly one of the things that allowed me to be successful at Western Washington was having a head coach that was really supportive. And right when I started, he said, you know, this is your baby. You take care of it. You raise it. I just want to see it every once in a while and give it a kiss on the forehead. But otherwise, like, that's, that's your deal. Um, so having somebody to really say, I know what I don't know, and then turn it over to um, someone who does uh, was uh, a definite benefit of working with a qualified trainer, qualified strength coach. Fantastic. So how can the rowing coach take what you, your teaching technique in the boat? Is there so, uh, Can you give us an anecdote of a, a real example? Yeah, I mean a real example was I was out with the team last week and noticed that uh, the stroke of one of our fours was really hiking his shoulder up when he caught. So he'd be at the catch, he'd hike the shoulder up, and then he'd really pull through high. Uh, so I, I explained that what was likely happening was he was taking too much of the load on his trap muscles and not enough on his lat muscles, uh, or the latissimus dorsi, uh, which was then affecting his handle height as well as his pull through. Because he was hiked, he was pulling in very high. Um, so I think finding a tangible way to say, 
here's how this manifests in the boat, and here's how we can fix that in the gym, is really critical to getting through to any athlete, um, as well as any coach, is making them see that direct transfer. So you going out in the coach boat with the uh, rowing coach is really important then? Yeah, it is. Um, and I think that was actually kind of a, a turning point in, in my relationship with that head coach was when I was able to kind of pick certain parts of the form. And I, I think uh, this was last year, the year before that, when I was out with him. And I think there was kind of that moment of, oh, okay, he actually does know know the sport and know what he's talking about, um, which is really key with working with any athletic population is finding a way to relate and really knowing that sport to say, okay, I have credibility with this. I know what you're doing. Totally, totally relate to that. That's great. Now, Ruth James from Ironbridge Rowing Club in the UK in Telford asks, in your opinion, rowing specific strength training exercises? Now, this Ruth I am not related to, for the record. Um, but as, as far as the three best rowing exercises, um, I just wrote an article for Row Perfect of the five best exercises, so I'll condense that down to three. Um, I would say the front squat is definitely one, um, and the front squat is different from the back squat in that it, the weight is on the collarbone or on the shoulder. Uh, the pendle row, which is basically an explosive version of a barbell row, uh, and then the overhead press. And the reason for each of these is that the front squat uh, allows many athletes to get to full depth, especially taller athletes have an easier time, and since rowers tend to be taller, I tend to use the front squat. Uh, the Pendley row has many of the benefits from a deadlift, but is a little bit more rowing specific in that the athlete actually follows through on the stroke um, of the lift, uh, making it more rowing specific. Uh, and then the overhead press is really a great indicator of scapular function. So the muscles of the mid-back and the shoulder blades all have to work together to do the overhead press. So it's both a great injury prevention exercise for rowing, um, and I guess specific in the sense of you know going up and over heads, um, but otherwise it's, it's really just an indicator that everything else is working well for the athlete. That's fantastic. And then how often a week should they be done by someone who's a young competitive rower? Uh, for young competitive or for masters rowers, I really recommend between two and four days a week of lifting. Um, four days would really only be in the off season when you're not out on the water every morning or uh, erging every afternoon, but when the rest of the volume is reduced. Uh, but certainly two days a week is generally what I plan. Um, three would also be fine. Now, in your manual, will you talk a little bit about whether to do a combined or a split lifting program where maybe one day you do upper body? How would that fit into the advice you just gave? It's really entirely up to the athlete. Um, there's not much conclusive research one way or the other that this way is better than that way. So whatever works for both the weight room, I know especially with rowing, uh, weight room access is more difficult than it is with other sports. Um, so if you can get everybody in the weight room, if it's easier to do two full body sessions versus one upper, one lower, one full, um, as long as the end result is the same at the end of the week, uh, it doesn't really matter which split you do. There's kind of, you know, many ways to skin a cat. Fantastic. I think I use a slight variation on that particular uh, phrase. Now, Harry Harrison from Tail and Bend 
has asked us about what about the number of repetitions for rowers? Should you be doing low reps with heavy weights or high reps with lighter weights? I think it's a common misconception in rowing that because it's an endurance sport, you have to train with high reps to develop endurance. Um, I go into this in much more detail in the book, but I use a top-down endurance system where I try to drive the athlete's strength up to make uh, the rate and the pressure at which they row a smaller percentage of their maximum strength. So I, I believe in using low reps, one, for uh, safety because it's easier for an athlete to focus on three reps or five reps at a time rather than 15 or 20 reps. We often see uh, degradation of form as the set goes on, so keeping things short uh, keeps the athlete more focused as well. That's a really, really important point, and particularly I believe with uh, less experienced athletes, you find that the um, technique fails faster and it's harder for them to maintain focus. Now. Dan Ward from St. All, a wonderful named club called Drowning Horseboat Club, says, what's the best routine for improving hip mobility? Because his job involves a lot of sitting. Yeah, the, the sitting job is an unfortunate reality of uh, really any rower, whether it's you know, a student, if you're desk-bound or homework-bound, or whether you're a full-time employee. Uh, so for one thing, I would say first, try to get up and move as much as you can during your job. If that's not possible, then, uh, you know, got to do what you got to do. Um, I wrote a mobility series for my website. Uh, one of the, it was a four-part series. Each one focused on a different common area of uh, pain or injury for rowers. One of those articles is specifically for the hip flexors. So. As far as hip mobility, I've got um, a warm-up that we do before every session, um, as well as um, a stretching series specifically for hip flexors. So on, on my website, there's a whole article and video for that. Great. Thank you for that. And what we'll do is uh, we'll make sure, Dan, that we include that in the link and the show notes afterwards so that you can read that. Great. Now, I myself, which is, should body or postural imbalances be corrected before you start weight training? I think it really depends on the severity of the imbalance. If the athlete is still able to move through a shorter range of motion correctly, then I think that it could be effective to have them still train while also developing uh, mobility or fixing the postural imbalances. So less of one or the other, but more of what can we do for strength training and what can we do for the postural imbalances at the same time. Do you have a, an example you can give us of an athlete you've worked with? Uh, yeah, I mean, to go back to Carl Smith, he was not able to do a full squat um, at all when we started, so he was only able to get about halfway down um, of a squat, so we said, okay, you're going to go as far as you can go, and then by the meantime, what we used to do is with him, we would do one strength session and one mobility session. So we would do basically 45 minutes um, in one day of targeted uh, yoga exercises as well as uh, foam rolling and um, basically massage therapy kind of work uh, for the hip flexors, 
um, and then all with the stretching as well to just try to increase the mobility, but while also training because I don't want him to lose strength, lose power, lose time off of his erg, et cetera, you know, which then gets in the athlete's head um, and could cost them a seat. Understand. Area pelvic tilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that again kind of depends on the severity. Um, the strength training, though, is crucial to correcting anterior pelvic tilt long term. Um, being able to one, so just, just just to go back for anybody not familiar, anterior pelvic tilt happens when, especially in rowers, the quadriceps on the front side of the leg are stronger than the glutes and the hamstring muscles on the back side of the leg. So you get this wrenching effect and the pelvis, let me get around on the camera here, the pelvis tilts forward anteriorly. So you get that um, imbalance effect. So you need to strengthen the glutes and the hamstrings to pull the pelvis back into alignment while also stretching the quadriceps and the hip flexors to restore this to that. Um, So strength training is crucial for fixing that but you also need to be doing the mobility work for the hips in order to get that fixed. So for Claudine Ferguson, and she wants to know whether can or should that be corrected before strength tra- a, tra- a strength training program or should a strength training program? Um, I mean, again, I think it, it depends on how severe the anterior pelvic tilt is and what exercises can that athlete do versus what can they not do safely. So um, if they can't squat safely, then fine. We will do deadlifts and Romanian deadlifts and other variations instead to still work the leg strength, still work the uh, posterior chain strength, the back strength. Um, So it's still strength training, but it's just not exactly quadriceps or uh, squats or whatever the athlete's unable to do. So that's pretty much the same advice that you gave for Carl Smith where you worked on the strength and flexibility at the same time as putting him into the weight training that he was capable of doing. Right. Very keen on free uh, machine weights. Is there a reason? I'm sorry, can you say that again? I noticed that you are very keen on using free weights rather than machine weights. Is there a reason for that? I think in a sport, especially like rowing, that requires so much balance from the athlete, they don't learn how to transfer the strength that they gain if they're just sitting down on a machine doing a leg press or a leg extension uh, the same way they do if they're actually having to control their body through space, um, as in a squat um, or a, a body weight exercise. That's a very, very clear answer. Now, Sebastian Peter from Seattle at the uh, University of Washington, Seattle, asks, what's your approach to strength training after undergoing back surgery to get back into competitive rowing? Uh, um, defer to a medical professional is, is my, my, my first reflex. Um, I... Generally, if an athlete's been diagnosed with an injury or if they think they have an injury, I push them to a physical therapist, um, somebody who can diagnose and treat that injury. Now, if if the post-surgery physical therapy, if the rehab, if everything has all been completed, then 
they should be basically the same as any other athlete. So they're just going to do um, the same exercises, but obviously making sure to really work the technique and everything so that they don't re-injure themselves. Um, yeah, so as, as long as they can move without dysfunction, uh, they can strength train just the same as long as they're very realistic with uh, their limits. And of course, that's always a challenge. Any competitive athlete, uh, aren't they, to get back to full training? Yeah, um, and really something that I recommend for people coming back from an injury or from a, lay a layoff if they've had to take time off of training is to treat every new session as a new personal record. So if you squatted 315 pounds before your injury, forget about it. The first 165, 185, 200 pound squat, that's your new PR. So discard everything that you were able to do and just treat yourself as a brand new trainee um, and, and set PRs from there. That's fabulous advice. Now, Aileen Pallet from Edinburgh um, asks, what about doing weights with juniors? By this, she means people under the age of 18. At what age do you introduce weights? The general guideline for youth training is, one, the athlete has to be interested. So there's no point in forcing a six-year-old to do strength training or an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old uh, if they don't want to because they're going to they're gonna buck you. Uh, they're not, they're not going to want to do it. Um, they also have to be mentally mature enough to not horse around while lifting, um, so they have to be able to take it seriously. I've worked with groups of, uh, I had a group that was a six-year-old, um, an eight-year-old, and two 12-year-olds, and I trained them all at the same time. They did basic bodyweight exercises. We made sure to hammer technique and fun. Um, and basically make it engaging, make it rewarding for them. Um, that one, the level of instruction is really important, and then the level of making it fun for them is also really important. So uh, it'll become a, a longer habit if they both enjoy it and master it early on. Um, so really, there's no there's no too young um, by age. There's just by mental maturity. And do you know, I think the same. Same thing applies to introducing kids to rowing on the water. Uh, I worked at a club where we introduced and their little hands were too little to hold with their thumbs underneath the oars, or they were skulls, and so they'd row like this with their thumbs on top, and they just got on with it. We didn't make a whole load of compensation for it, as long as it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> How should you introduce youth rowers to strength training? How do you begin in the process? Um, well, I mean, like, like I said, instruction, fun, uh, and mastery. So making sure that each of those characteristics is always emphasized in training. Um, one thing, too, is to really be careful with uh, recognizing when they're at their breaking point. I, I'm also a junior varsity coach for lacrosse, so I work with a lot of 14 and 15 year olds. Um, we're freshmen, sophomores in high school for us. Uh, and I can't stand the idea that a coach would think that that's the athlete group that they want to push. You know, they want to really break them down. Uh, that's, it's completely inappropriate for youth athletes. So 
make it fun, teach them the basics, and let them master it from there. And then let them basically self-select their own a level of competition and uh, engagement as they get older. So you know, from the age of 16 on, then they have all the tools in their toolbox to put them to work. Now we have a, a question from Paul Townshend from King's School Chester in the UK. Coach teenage girls at 18 years. How much and at what ages and what types or goals should I be setting as the athletes progress? Um, I think it's kind of hard to say exactly what goals except the same that I just said. So instruction, mastery, and fun. So if they're enjoying their training, they're going to buy into it more in the long term. If you give them proper instruction, then they will not get hurt, they will succeed, they will get stronger, and then if you can emphasize mastery at every point, not that the max squat or whatever is necessarily the goal, but the, the max squat with the right form, the proper form, the carryover to the boat. Um, I don't train female athletes any different than I train male athletes, um, and especially in a sport like rowing, a strong back, uh, strong legs, and a healthy athlete is going to make a boat go faster. Message for everyone listening. Now, Rob Canavan's asking, do you on heavy lifting? In other words, should you limit squatting to twice your body weight? Uh, the whole issue of growth plates with youth athletes, I think, is highly overblown. Um, there's been a lot of scientific research that shows that the compressive forces on a joint in a squat or in a deadlift are several times less than that of just running and jumping. So if the youth goes and plays on the playground and they're jumping off of swings or off of tables or whatever, that's many times more compressive forces on the growth plates than you get in a squat especially if they're squatting with proper form um, and mastery of the lift. So if, you, if the athlete executes the lifts properly, the likelihood of them getting hurt is extremely low, um, and the likelihood of anything happening to the growth plates is also extremely low. So I would say, one, as long as they're performing the lift correctly, there's not, there's not necessarily any limit on how much they can lift uh, as long as you know, it's executed perfectly. And Rob also asks, is there a greater chance of injury with repetition lifting? Um, I actually think that there is a higher chance of injury with higher repetition lifting. Um, for one thing, as we said earlier, the, the mental focus gets lower and lower and lower as the athlete gets more and more fatigued and further into the set. So if they're staying in the 3 to 10 repetition range, it's much easier for them to focus on proper execution of each single repetition rather than if they're looking at a set of 20 or 25. Um, I also think that with free weight exercises, the risk of injury is lower, again, as long as they're instructed properly, uh, because they're more focused on it and it's not treated as, oh, just go do the leg press or whatever, um, which tends to not be very well instructed. That's a, a common theme um, that I'm hearing from you. 
Now, Paul Freeman from the city of Rothbury in the UK, who rows at Camus Rowing Club, says, is there any specific advice for older masters rowers, he said, from age 60 plus? I do think it was funny that we got five or six different questions that all essentially asked the same thing, which is how to, how to transfer from youth rowing or college rowing into masters rowing. Uh, there's not necessarily any difference. Um, like I said before, strong legs, healthy legs, healthy athlete, the boat's going to go faster. Uh, so that's the same recipe whether you're 16, 20, 40, or 60. Um, I do think that there are some changes that Masters rowers can make, um, but it's really going to be individual based on not only their injury history, but also their job situation, their family situation, what their recovery is like. So a master who is totally competitive and uh, wants to train as though they were still 20 can do so as long as they have the right situation. Um, you know, not a stressful job, not a stressful family situation. It really just becomes a recovery issue uh, rather than a training issue. I did think um, that Larry Gluckman's uh, practice was awesome in one of the last rowing chats that he said that he just carefully recorded what he did each year and then would just try to match that and it was a success if he could just match it year after year. Um, but I think that that is a very conservative approach that you can do after age 60 or so, uh, but that if you're 40, you can certainly still improve your strength. Um, being 40, 50 years old, uh, you can still make strength improvements um, and training doesn't necessarily need to be that different if you're uninjured and can recover from your training. So, to answer Richard Warren's question from uh, Guildford Rowing Club in the UK, how should he adjust his to get older? You mentioned recovery is one issue. Yeah, uh, re recovery is one issue, so making sure to track what the athlete's doing in the gym. Uh, recording is really critical to making all of this work. So. I really believe that you know you can take a system like I've outlined in the manual. You can take the block periodization system. You can take this program or that program, but you need to tailor it toward your own situation because the basic practice of strength training is going to be the same, but everybody has their own situation, their own routine, their own family situation, their own job situation that they have to tailor their training a little bit to that. So. Careful recording is key to developing that process long term, making sure to write down, I did this, I did this. Uh, my rowers, when I print out the program for them, um, or when I send them the program, it has uh, their body weight, how much sleep they got, uh, and how enthusiastic about training they were. And I ask them to track that over time. So if they start to see that declining, uh, then we know that they are probably under-recovering from their training. Under recovering rather than overtraining. Right. So there's there's kind of two sides. There's overtraining and there's under recovering. So you have to be able to look at your own training and say, okay, am I training too much or am I just not recovering enough? And if they, if you're running from one job to the next or you're not eating enough during your day or if you're in college and you're not getting enough sleep um, or the right kind of nutrition, then that could be more an issue of under recovering and less an issue of overtraining. Now, moving to Ireland, Chris Terry and Neith, is strength training about different things for Masters rowers, i.e. balance, injury, protection, plyometric power? 
Yeah, great question. Um, like I said earlier, injury prevention is the number one reason to strength train for rowers. Number two is performance. So rowing, especially sweeps rowing, it's, it's less so for sculling, but especially for sweeps, you develop a stronger outside leg, stronger outside arm, uh, stronger back muscles, um, and then you underdevelop your pressing muscles of the chest, shoulders, and triceps. Long term, this leads to imbalance, gait problems, posture problems, long term pain, um, and you start to see that level of wear and tear on the athlete's body. So it's all preventable by training what rowing doesn't train. So if you spend 12 hours or 15 hours or more training in a boat, you're developing your muscles to do one thing. You need to do some offset to undo and then redo, basically. So for masters rowers as well as for junior rowers or for college rowers, uh, strength training to develop your inside arm, develop your inside leg, develop your pressing muscles, develop what rowing doesn't develop. That's fabulous advice. Now, Karen Clark's asking if you've got any suggestions for women in general and women over 50 in particular. Um, I don't really. Um, like I said, male rowers, female rowers, masters rowers, junior rowers, it's, a, it's, it's all the same sport. You know, it's not like another sport where the demands are very different or the rules are different. Uh, 2,000 meters is 2,000 meters, and 6,000 meters is 6,000 meters. So really the same demands are in effect uh, regardless of your age or your gender. Um, that said, both for men and women over the age of 50, uh, hormones are uh, declining, so more, more of the strength results are going to come from motor coordination, um, central nervous system patterning, developing more effective nervous system, uh, that can happen all the way through life. So uh, just because your testosterone or whatever is not the same as what it once was, maybe you aren't building as much muscle, but your muscles are still getting more efficient, which will carry over uh, to the boat. Dick Moores from the Grateful Oars Rowing Club asks, Sorry, you're just breaking up there. Uh, like I said, the aging issue is really just one of one of recovery. So if your if your hormones are not the same as when you were 20 or 24. Uh, you will need to make sure to prioritize your recovering a little bit differently. So uh, there's no inherent greater risk, uh, again, as long as instruction and mastery are at play. So if, if the athlete was properly instructed on how to perform the lifts um, and if they've really mastered how to do the lifts, then there's not a real injury concern. Um, and then again, part, part of being a master's rower is making sure that you are recovering enough, that you're not overtraining. Um, and that you're recording your training so that you can adapt as necessary. Now, this month, Rowing Chat is sponsored by the Coxmate GPS, the new speed measurement tool for rowing and sculling.
The Coxmates Advanced software is included free with your purchase and it allows you to work on techniques like how much do we slow the boat down on the recovery? Which racing start sequence is the quickest? What's our average distance move per stroke for steady state rowing? Plus, there's a map my route function where you plot your outing course in advance and while you're rowing, you can see if you're off course. Anyone racing the Tideway Heads in London this autumn should try it out beforehand. Win yourself a Coxmate GPS in our free got three to give a website www.tinyurl.com forward slash win costs. That link's also on the Row Perfect News blog page. The winners will be announced on the 10th of November 2015. So good luck and check out the Row Perfect News page again to get that link and share it with your friends. Now, back to rowing chat with Will Ruth. Will, when you were writing your manual, the outline for it, can you talk us through the different chapters that you decided were needed? Yeah, um, so it was about it was about a ten month process between the whole. Yeah, um, so it was about as I started, I basically wrote everything that I did and just hemorrhaged words down, and then figured I would clean it up later. Um, and then from there, kind of worked backwards into okay, what is useful for each population of athletes. So what I really wanted to do was to provide a one-stop shop for all of your rowing strength training needs. Um, one of the main frustrations that I've had and that I've heard echoed among other rowers is that if you want to write a strength program, if you want to figure out how to strength train for rowing, you end up sifting between 10 different incomplete sources in order to kind of patchwork together your own program. So I wanted to make sure that a lightweight rower, a college rower, a high school rower, um, a parent of a youth rower, a master's rower could all buy the book and immediately put the practice to use. So there are chapters for each of those um, as well as a chapter for coxswains um, as I believe that strength training is also useful for coxswains. Um, and then I've also included other materials such as a link for the exercise index um, on my website with video examples of all of the major lifts. Um, basically every lift that I discuss in the manual is also online. Um, and then also a series about injury prevention, uh, exactly what exercises to do to prevent exactly which injury. Uh, and those are also all included in the exercise guide as well. Now, you spend a lot of time explaining what is that? Oh, I'm sorry, can, can you repeat that one more time? What is periodization? Periodization is any training planning. So long is it's any sort of long-term training program. Periodization is a very catch-all term. It essentially just means that you've got some sort of intelligent progression that's planned out ahead of time. Uh, the kind of opposite of this would be the bingo wheel approach of, you know, whatever you end up doing each day um, would not exactly be a periodization system. So my manual is based around the block periodization system, which develops different characteristics at each block of the year. So it breaks down into 
four main training blocks that each have different objectives that then all build on each other uh, toward one championship peak. What are those four separate parts? So the, the four training blocks break down into the general preparation block, uh, which is the furthest away from your competitive season. It's high cross-training, uh, low specificity, um, base building, basically. This would be the time for uh, cross-training or steady-state erging or playing a completely different sport. Um, and then that moves into the specific preparation block, which would be... So this is all kind of designed around the 2K rower, but you can just adapt the seasons to fit the 6K rower or the endurance rower, whatever your competitive event is. So for the 2K rower... Um, the kind of specific prep block would be the fall season, more endurance rowing, longer distances, not 2K specific, but a little bit more specific than the general prep block, but very much still building a muscular base and an aerobic base. That moves into the preparation block, which is preseason. So in the two-ish, maybe three months before your competitive season starts, it shifts from that base building into more peak power building. So anaerobic interval training starts. Um, you can start doing higher resistance sprints. That's all kind of the rowing specific training. And then in the gym, you're doing more power training, fewer repetitions, but generally higher weight um, and with explosive intent on all of the exercises. That then builds into the competitive block, which is when most rowers are competing um, either every week or every other week. Um, so season performance is critical, obviously. We don't want to just train the athlete and have them be very tired for their race on Saturday or whatever it is. Um, so the frequency is a little bit lower during that time, and the competitive block is really for strength, maintenance, um, and tapering, so that all of the three previous blocks build toward the competitive block. You taper the athlete, and then their peak performance is higher. I want to go and do it all myself now, Will. That's absolutely brilliant. Now, if you had to had a magic wand and wanted to change one thing, what would you change? I, th I think the mentality of rowing that more is always better, and that pain is not an issue. You know, I mean, it's it's a sport that attracts a unique kind of athlete that has pretty much complete disregard for their own pain barriers, and that is great for rowing, but my magic wand move would be to make athletes recognize when that's constructive versus when that is destructive. And I think that there's some bad part of culture in rowing that injuries are a mark of pride, overtraining is a mark of pride, you're not training hard enough if you're not. Um, and I, I think that that's long-term damaging. Um, so I would, I would magic wand that away. Thank you. Do you have anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before we wrap up? Um, I, really, the whole, the whole strength training picture comes back to instruction, mastery, and long-term improvement. So the exact system that you're doing doesn't matter as much as long as each uh, individual component is correct. So as long as you're doing the right exercises, as long as you're executing them 
well and with full intention, you will uh, develop. So my system is certainly just one of the ways that's out there. Um, again, I wanted to provide a comprehensive resource for athletes, but it's by no means the only resource uh, or the only way to do something. So um, I would encourage each athlete to develop their own method, be intentional about their own training, um, and always try to learn. So you can get Will's book and the companion DVD with all of the lifts that he describes on the Row Perfect shop. Go to the bundles page and you will see the both of them together or you can go separately to the DVDs page or the ebook page. It's also listed in the Amazon Kindle store if you prefer to buy that way. Now we'll let the listeners know where they can connect with you. Yeah, so I um, run my website which is www.strengthcoachwill.com uh, should be pretty easy to remember. I usually post new articles on Mondays. Um, most of the time it's for rowing, but other times it'll be for other sports that I work with as well. Uh, and then there are links from there to both my Facebook page as well as my Twitter page. Thank you very much. Now, our free prize draw winner this month gets a coaching session with Will, which can be face-to-face -face if you happen to be in the American Northwest or over Skype if that's easier. And you can get onto that by joining the Row Perfect newsletter. We welcome comment new episodes of Rowing Chat, or if you've got any further questions about this episode, please send them to info at rowperfect.co.uk. Episodes at rowperfect.co.uk forward slash rowing chat. Follow us on Twitter at RowPerfect or on Facebook, RowPerfect UK. Or subscribe to our feed in iTunes, SoundCloud or YouTube. Just search for Rowing Chat. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share this with your clubmates, which will help other rowers get more enjoyment from rowing. For more information about RowPerfect UK and its educational services for coaches, coxswains and athletes, go to rowperfect.co.uk. Till next time, bye-bye.